Hey, this is Danny Brown with The Deal. Thank you for joining us on this special edition, State of the Real Estate Market. I have four, four major influential players in the world of real estate. Chris Rising, who is uh, the CEO of Rising Realty and owns 5 million square feet of office space in LA and Denver and through the Western United States. Jim Travers, a principal at Cressa Realty. Uh, Jim is the godfather of tenant rep and office deals, has done some of the biggest deals uh, on planet Earth over the last 40, 50 years. Jay Lux of Newmark is a retail broker, probably the most successful retail broker uh, in the country all over Rodeo Drive. He's broken records up and down the street, and he's been pushing a lot of uh, cool up-and-coming brands. And then Andrew Kirsch, founder, uh, co-founder of Skylar Kirsch, uh, a transactional real estate attorney who's got his hands in multifamily office, a lot of stuff. So the, you couldn't find four, four more uh, knowledgeable, experienced guys in the trenches to give us the reality of, and breakdown of what's happening. As of this moment, Friday, uh, we still don't have a president. We thought we'd have a president elected today, but the votes still aren't counted. Uh, so keep that in mind. And they're giving us the true breakdown of what they've been seeing in COVID and how it's really impacted the commercial market uh, in a negative way. And tenants haven't been paying rent and everything's up in the air. So as much as the residential markets have been active and bullish and strong, I really wanted to present what's happening on the institutional side and the investment side, the commercial side, so you can see that it's a different world and uh, things are shaken up and it's going to be a while before we get through this mess. So thanks for tuning in. You can always find me on thedealpod.com, at thedealpod on Instagram, or at Danny Brown LA on Instagram. Thanks for joining. Please subscribe to our podcast, The Deal with Danny Brown. Leave us a five-star review. If you like what you hear, you can always find us also on YouTube if you want to see the video. It's also The Deal with Danny Brown on YouTube. Appreciate it. Enjoy this as much as I did. It's just really informative. School is in session. For real. See you soon. This is a special edition of my uh, the deal with Danny Brown. It's a state of the market, real estate market. I have four incredible speakers, uh, panelists, all major players in the real estate business. Unfortunately, Jim Travers, who's the fourth, has having some technical difficulties. But uh, really wanted to get everyone's take on what's going on. I was hoping that we'd have a president elected right now, but as I as we speak. On Friday afternoon, I think uh, Biden has like 200, 253 electoral votes and Trump has 250. So there is no president. So we don't have that resolved. But I really wanted to get a take of uh, what you guys were seeing the last quarter or two leading into the election. And what are you seeing and projecting the next quarter or two to be? So that's the overview. Um, I want to do a quick intro for those that don't know the panelists. Uh, we have Chris Rising, who's the CEO of Rising Realty Partners. He uh, is an owner-operator of about 5 million square feet of office space downtown L.A. Uh, he's really in the middle of what's happening with landlords, tenants, so he's going to give us some perspective on that. Oh, Jim, did you make it on the call? I think I see Jim's uh, phone. Yes. Can you see me? Hear me? We can't see your pretty face, Jim, but we're happy to have you. So Jim Travers just Thank you very much, us. Danny. So Jim Travers is uh, with Cressa. He's a principal at Cressa. He is a specialist in tenant rep, has done some of the biggest, most complicated office deals in the history of man. So welcome, Jim. Glad to have you. Uh, Jay Lux. Jay Lux with uh, Newmark. Jay Lux is arguably the most successful retail broker uh, in the U.S., focusing on a lot of high-end 
luxury brands, but also a lot of startup brands. He's very involved with launching and building brands from a business standpoint. So he's going to have a really good uh, perspective on how these businesses are doing and who's struggling, who's not, and what's happening next. And then finally, I have my good buddy, Andrew Kirsch uh, from Scalar Kirsch, the co-founder, real estate transactional attorney. He's got a 30,000 square foot view of of all these different sectors because he's involved with multifamily, office, retail, residential, all of it. So uh, that's the overview, and I'm going to let you guys open it up. I'm going to start with Chris. Uh, why don't you give us a breakdown of what's going on in the world of uh, office landlords and what it was looking like the last couple months here and what it's going to be forward. Now, I spoke to you at the beginning of the pandemic, and what you had said to me, which was really interesting at, the po- at that time, was, look, it's basically the government is going to underwrite the second quarter of the year. They're going to pay with PPP loans. They're going to bail everyone out. And I don't think you or me or anyone else on this call or anywhere else figured we'd be still here eight months later. So there's your intro, Chris. You could take it from here. And if any of you uh, panelists want to jump in, well, you know, feel free because I, I know you guys all know each other well as well. But Chris, let's, let's start with you. Well, I mean, I think things are pretty, really, they're tough right now. Real tough. I mean, outside of, uh, of Jim, who's got still working like it's 1980 and hustling and trying to bring uh, deals around, there aren't, there aren't that many tours. I think... Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think we went from averaging about 10 to 15 tours a week across our portfolio to, you know, we're lucky if we get one. So I think we're still in the middle of a pandemic. The numbers are just terrible. I mean, just, what was that, 120,000 cases yesterday. Um, and I think that's just people are scared. Some people are scared. Large companies are scared. They're scared about the liability of having people come into work. Um, so until we get our hands around the pandemic where you get some sort of normalcy, I think office is in real uh, deep trouble. Now, long-term, I, I, I'm, I, this Zoom world hasn't been that effective for my company and for our team. Um, I mean, I think it's a nice thing to have to, uh, you know, be a part of your day and all, but the idea that we're going to spend all of our lives behind little cameras and, and talking this way, I just don't buy it, but we still got to get from here to there. And so we're in the middle of a pandemic. We are most certainly in a, in a recession. Um, I do see that numbers look better, and that's all great, but not as it relates to office and, um, you know, an office and hotel, uh, for sure. So I'm, I'm pretty negative. I think 2021 is going to be where you see a lot of uh, people have to um, give back the keys on office because it takes about 9, 12 months for, to work out something with a lender or a servicer. So um, I, my suspicion is by June of next year, you'll start to see a lot of good buying opportunities and probably take us a year or two to, to normalize into something where a CEO is going to want to make a decision. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of young CEO. The average age of a CEO is 51, uh, CFO is 48. I think there's a lot of them out there are going to say, let's see what we can do if we had half the office space. And I don't think that in the long term, that's going to be a great strategy, but I think nobody's making long-term decisions. And so in the short term, if we get some connection via zoom and we can give back some of our liability, they'll do it. So sorry, I'm not more upbeat, but I'm pretty negative on, on where the office market is going to be through the, uh, through the next 12 months or so. Well, that's fine to be negative. We just want to hear the reality. Are you seeing yet 
opportunities, distress opportunities because of all this negativity, or are we not there yet? They're coming. They're out there. You know, we all have to sometimes look ourselves in the mirror and recognize where the market is, and people aren't quite there yet and hoping for some miracles. I, I think it's, there's a real chance we're going to have some sort of stimulus now that the election's over. Uh, it probably won't be uh, the $4 trillion or whatever that the Democrats wanted, but it won't be $500 million that the Republican senators want. It'll be somewhere in between. And I think that'll help, and I think that's important. So, um, But I would say if we can get if we can get people to start coming back to work, it really frustrates me when I see some of the big service firms, real estate service firms, and some of the big architecture firms saying to their people, well, we're not going to come back till next June. I mean, we're all in the real estate business. At some point, we got to figure out a way to do this. I'm not advocating that anybody does anything uh, that isn't for the protocols and all, but we got to figure out a way to get kids back to school and people back to work. Sure, sure. So, Jim Travers, I want to jump over to you really quick because you have a lot of uh, similar uh, synergies with Chris in terms of representing tenants. What is happening in the world of office tenants over the last six months? Is it a constant renegotiation of office rents? Are people reconfiguring, shrinking their footprints? Why don't you speak to that to, to tag on to what Chris was saying? Yes, I think uh, Chris did the nail on their head. So on the bigger companies, uh, they're taking the CFO and the CEOs and the board directors are taking a very, very hard look of all their employees and are they producing and are not producing and they're not producing. We got to let them go and start moving on at the same time, if they are producing. So if the four of us on the phone, five of us on the phone were working for IBM and we would be producing. So now the issue is, do I really need to have Chris, and Jim Travers coming in with everyone else, Andrew and my buddy Jay, every single day, five days a week. Now the issue, maybe you should have Andrew and Jay come in Monday, Tuesday only, clean the offices on Wednesday and have uh, Chris and I come in Thursday and Friday. So I see a lot of cutback in office space now, uh, maybe 25 to 30 percent because of Zoom and the technology and now that the managers are letting their employees work at home and seeing they can function with the dogs and the kids and all the other nonsense that happens at home, uh, there's going to be a big shift. And it is very, very concerning, but it is happening as we speak. Most of the leases at Douglas Emmett, which is the largest landlord on the West Side, I believe uh, all their deals now, except for a few, are a year or two. Everyone's going short. Everyone wants to go through the process here, not commit long-term, and just see what happens in the next 24 months. So it's a very, very different time. And it's um, different than 2008 because business was still going on. Now everything is closed. I was out touring today in a couple of Chris's buildings, and we all know, you know, maybe 10% of the whole entire complex is occupying is a space today is a very, 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 very strange situation. And hopefully July is what I'm hearing of next year is when people will come back to work, which is a very long time from now. So this is, we're all stuck in the mud. No question about it. So to you and Chris, and maybe Chris, you have more of the uh, landlord standpoint, but uh, what percentage of tenants 
have either stopped paying rent or have renegotiated rents or are asking for reprieves? Uh, how does that, what has that been looking like? Well, I mean, fortunately, most of our tenants are paying rent. I think our uh, rate is somewhere around 94, 95%. The people who have just gotten destroyed have been the, um, the, the small restaurants that service office workers. The, you know, there's just really no hope that the gym, that kind of thing, because legally they really can't be open or if they're open, there's just not the, the clientele. I would say that what's jumped out is owning credit buildings. I mean, owning buildings with credit tenants matters. Um, and in the buildings, the projects where we don't have credit tenants, um, you know, we've had to work really hard to try to help people, but there's not much you can do if they're, if their individual business just goes away. So, um, and I'd say the other thing is owning buildings that have government tenants, uh, not a bad thing either. They seem to pay their rent every month. Um, but for the most part across our portfolio, people have paid rent, um, but we're not immune and we've got, uh, unfortunately, uh, for sure one uh, project where we're just having to have some very serious discussions with the lender about where we see the world. Because if, if, if I thought it was going to change in three to six months, uh, you know, we wouldn't be having some early discussions with lenders. But since I don't think it's going to change for minimum of 12 and more like 24 months, I, I think you got to you got to get in the boat with them and tell, you know, be real honest about where you see things going. I don't, I cannot see a CEO or CFO committing um, to anything in the short term. And, yeah. and that's tough. So let me now flip this over to Jay Lux, because you're talking about smaller tenants, restaurant tenants, retail tenants. So Jay, this is what you do all day, every day. Big, you have big institutional brands, you have small startup brands, what is going on? Obviously, retail, uh, a bomb went off for retail because no one could go to restaurants and no one could go to these places. So talk to us about what's been going on in the retail world. Are people going out of business? Are people renegotiating leases? Is there a new business model that's happening now with partnerships between tenants and landlords? Uh, take it wherever you want. I know there's a lot of ground to cover. How are you? And you can hear me, right? I can hear you good. And okay. You're very, yeah. very handsome, Jay. Very Thank handsome. Thank you, Danny. But so not, you, as sir. Ha- not as handsome as Jim Travers, but you're close. <laughs> well, no one is that handsome. No. But uh, thank you, and thanks to all the people that are spending your time listening to us today. We, we appreciate it. And, Danny, thanks for doing these. Um, I know it takes up a lot of time, and I think it's really valuable. Um, I would thank say, you. to answer your question, um, since March, I think there was a, a week in March where the NBA – announced no fans. And I think at that point, a lot of people realize like something's real. Something just happened. That's uh, not just a two week stay in your, in your place. And literally from around that time, because I remember that announcement, everything just started happening where I must've gotten 150 calls from tenants from New York, from around the country, from LA um, locals and nationals. I mean, huge national names and international names from Rodeo Drive to the hair salons. I, did, I mean, multiple people that own salons and an ice cream shop and whatever it is. And all of them needed help. It was almost like needed counseling, but um, there, this was March. So we didn't know what we, what we now know, but even in March or whether it's today or, or back then, uh, you couldn't learn this in college, you couldn't learn this in 2019. 
You couldn't learn this if you've been in the business for 25 years. You ha- you're learning on the job right now as a broker. And a lot of this has to do with the sensitivity and the human nature side because negotiating is, is a combination of things like all of you know who are watching and, and on the other panelists that there are things to worry about like rent and, and TI money and all the things that we look at on a piece of paper. But there's another element to a transaction and that's ownership and personality and ego. And when you upset people, that is another check, you know, to, to, to check off on a box. Like if a landlord's not open to helping, that's a problem. And if a tenant on the other end takes advantage and they're making, you know, if it was Amazon and they're making billions of dollars and they're asking for things, it's different than if it's the salon who has no savings and can't make it. So a lot of landlords have also looked at it like, well, show me your financial statement and let me see that you're really hurting. So it's a combination of things. But I would say 85%, if I had to make it up, of, of the real life situations are tenants who are really, really hurting and cannot get to that next place. So back in March, there was a mall, probably the Irvine company's Fashion Island or one of the malls that said, we're gonna give three months of deferral in 2020, 21. Uh, And that's how we're gonna solve the problem. And all of a sudden tenants were calling and they wanted free rent, not deferral of rent. But at that time, everyone was basing it on three months. People thought that two weeks later, we were gonna go back and life would be normal again and there we'd be. All I remember telling people, and I might even be documented on one of my, I've done a few of these at like five or so since March where I record my own, what I'm seeing on my Instagrams. I would say, I remember thinking it's gotta at least be six months, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that it, it would need to be a year or two. Um, it probably will end up being that a tenant needs a year worth, if you're in retail, you know, like a year worth of free rent to be in great shape or decent shape. It's not going to happen. I mean, the landlords are going to say what also makes sense that they have a bank to pay and that it's not their fault that COVID happened either. So the problem is there isn't like the big brother that can just give. I know there's been all sorts of stimulus packages, but I'm talking about someone that says, don't worry, like Steve Mnuchin, everyone, don't worry. Don't pay the bank. Don't pay uh, your landlord. It's fine. I mean, unfortunately, we can't just have had that. And it's complicated. So what that means is a lot of tenants, and we mentioned restaurants and, and others, whether you're at the highest level or not, but especially the small uh, tenants, you could be done. And you've seen that. I mean, look at what, go look up on the news, tenants that are bankrupt because of COVID. And you'll find many, like Brooks Brothers is not, you know, it's, it's not as popular today because it's men's suits isn't what it was back in the day. But as an example, it's a 250 year old company that's bankrupt. Um, there are so many other examples. What I, what I think is the most sad is I'm just going to talk about Los Angeles, which is our town. You have a lot of little stores. You have a lot of little spaces. There was never a rule that every space had to be filled. And even in the best of times in 16, 2017, 18, there were multiple offers on spaces. It was crazy, craziness. Even then, not every space was full. 
And even then, if there were two vacancies on a street, people would say, what's the problem? But again, there was never a book written that said every space has to be full. So a lot of, a lot of businesses to fill it up. So to get to the end of this, my point is um, we're in a weird place. I, I share with what Jim and Chris said. Uh, I, would I guess I would just say it's, it's technically really bad times, but, but yet there have been a few signs of positive activity that give me hope. I have recently had a few deals turn into 10-year terms with an option. I haven't seen a normal deal in six months. I do think after the election, we're going to start seeing the brands, office tenants too, but, but for me, retail brands that believe in themselves for 10 or 20 years that are going to start making offers because they need to secure their, their space and time. If they wait too long and next year some positive news happens, they're going to be priced out again. So they need to start to think about their future. And it's going to start happening where, yeah, they may want uh, percentage rent. Yeah, they may want TIs, but it's going to be time soon that they make long-term offers again. Sorry for the long-winded response, but that's yeah, pretty was, much it. that was a lot to say, Jay. So, look, retail has been in an evolution and an acceleration transition period with the Amazon effect for the last five <laughs> years, and each year it's compounded and accelerated and changed retail in general. Uh, it seems, and I don't know if you've may have said this in one of your Instagram talks. But I've talked to a few others, and, and Andrew Kirsch, I'd love for you to jump in on this. Are you seeing now that the future of retail is that the tenants have to partner with the landlords, and the landlords have to, rather than just taking traditional rent, be involved with gross receipts and gross income because there's just no way for these brands to flourish if they're paying these high rents and with what we're seeing? Is that a trend? Is that where it's, things are heading? Andrew, do you want to respond to that? I could certainly do it, but Andrew, do you want to? Um, the, the answer is that tenants want that, but not all landlords can do it. You know, landlords do have to pay their banks. So I had a, a big offer on Sunset Boulevard at percentage rent only from, a, I think, a tenant that I told the landlord, like, you're crazy not to take. But the landlord could not take them. You know, it's not just they're so great of a tenant. If it was Apple, I mean, who wouldn't take Apple? But what if it was Apple at percentage rent only? Does your bank bank on that? But not every tenant's going to be Apple. And the trend right now is TIs, two years plus an option, one year plus an option, percentage rent only for a year or two plus an option. I did a deal for Lululemon on Abbott Kinney, one year with a five-year option. They're going to take their option. They're going to do great. They're already doing well. I mean, that's that was a deal done in the middle of COVID. But with that said, I've done five or six deals since COVID. Usually I do all 50 or 100, but five or six in six months, that were seven or 10 years long. But there are some. Yeah. So, wow. Andrew, Andrew Kirsch, you're involved with a lot of different uh, sectors. You're, you're seeing office, multifamily, retail, this, that. You're involved with transactions. So we're hearing a lot of negative trends. And, of course, we're in the middle of this pandemic. But I'd be curious from your, from your view, because you're in the middle of a lot of transactions, are transactions getting done? Are you seeing a robust amount of, of transactions? I know from the residential side, uh, other than the ultra, ultra over 15 million high end, there's been a lot of velocity and a lot of transactions happening. But I'd love for you to, to kind of talk about that, what you're seeing across different different uh, verticals within real estate. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me, Danny. 
Um, so the first uh, three months of COVID, March through May, uh, transactions went to a grinding halt. It was more just triage. And uh, buyers and sellers were uh, duking it out uh, with respect to deposits and non-refundable deposits. And since June 1st, and especially now as we're in the fourth quarter, it is as active as I've ever seen the purchase and sale market. It's crazy. Uh, multifamily, uh, industrial. Uh, we even closed a, a, a multi, uh, excuse me, an office deal, a multi-tenant office deal on the west side of LA uh, with one of Jay's colleagues uh, today. Uh, we've done office uh, eastern side of San Gabriel Valley a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a large industrial po portfolio we're working on. And we're talking about both within Southern California and outside of California. Um, but what I don't understand um, is how my clients are evaluating these deals on the buy side when Chris and Jim and Jay have talked for the last 30 minutes of how tough leasing is. And if I look at my whiteboard here, where I break it down to purchase and sale transactions, financings, and leases, and I usually have a good set of each, I haven't done one new office or retail lease since COVID started, not one. Um, I've done forbearance agreements, I've done modifications, I've done lease terminations, but not one new, new lease. Um, and that just speaks volumes. So the fact that we are so active in, in acquisitions tells me that the clients and the market believes in the long-term growth of each of these asset classes. And if I could speak to one other thing that I think Jay was touching upon and Chris as well, we, we basically have an unfair system right now in that tenants are getting relief from a, a certain jurisdictions, uh, whether you're a multi-family uh, tenant or whether you're an office tenant or retail tenant, if you fall in within a certain category, you can get automatic deferral of rent. But the landlords, unless they signed up for a Fannie Freddie uh, multifamily program where they promise not to evict, other than those types of landlords, no other landlords getting relief from their, from their uh, uh, lenders, at least from a government perspective. And it just doesn't work where the government allows tenants not to pay, but is requiring landlords to pay their debt service. And so at some point, as Chris said, we haven't really seen a, a massive flood of, um, of uh, distress come to the market. I've seen a little bit in hotel, um, but not like the numbers that I think people were expecting. Perhaps in 2021, that's going to happen because we're just not, the landlords are not going to be able to uh, hang on. And the lenders, I think, aren't going to be patient anymore. But are the deals you're doing, are you, are they getting, as a landlord getting, or the sellers getting the market price, or are you seeing a big discount? And that's why you're having so many deals going through, Andrew. What, yeah, what good seeing? question, Jim. I'm not seeing the discounts. And uh, you're certainly not, not. You're not seeing discounts. No. No, yeah, we're certainly not, you know, we're not seeing any discounts off this market a little bit. Uh, haven't done really retail acquisitions or sales. Uh, a little bit of office, uh, a lot of industrial, a lot of multifamily. So definitely in those two 
asset classes. It's it's probably now has exceeded pre-COVID pricing. Yeah. Jay, have you seen that on the retail side as well? Are you seeing that even though we're having all these issues with rents, that pricing uh, is still back to peak or even beyond peak levels? Well, not beyond peak levels by any means. But what Andrew was saying was an interesting point that it, it does show the long the long term belief that we're going to be OK. So what I'm getting from my clients that have dry powder and want to go buy everything because there are some. It yeah. definitely relates to, you know, they, they want to take into consideration COVID. So you, I don't, I don't tell my clients to, to plug in numbers where we're back in two years. I mean, for me, my advice to my clients is if, if we're going to go buy a portfolio or a building is we are going to go down. Jim mentioned, uh, could it be 25 or 30%? I mean, really, maybe you go down 30% and you make an offer and you negotiate, but at, at least you're in a negotiation and if you love the right. asset and you really believe in it, we you know we know how to make deals out there and we'll figure it out. And uh, there are there's not as much distress like you were saying. I'm not seeing that much available. I'm involved with a big sale right now and a small sale, and that's it. Um, the big one will surprise that commercial, people. Is that commercial, Jay? That's commercial that? retail or office? Retail, retail only, high end. Similar right. pricing to, to you know, it mar- almost like market pre-COVID in, in this case. But if the asset is trophy and so special, you might get a pre-COVID price. Whatever the end date is, what's going to scare me a little bit, and I hope that we get through it okay, if all these tenants, many of whom are just sitting there because they know they can't be kicked out and are not paying rent, even if the, some of these landlords don't have a backup tenant, Imagine the anger that they have when they can evict and they do evict because of ego. They're mad or whatever the reason. So what I do think is going to happen the day you're allowed to evict is you're going to see vacancy, a lot of it. So you're going to, there's going to be a freak out period where you look around and go, it's not just for lease signs, it's vacancy. And um, it's going to take some time to refill those and for the market to get healthy again. Now in each area where there's devastation and vacancy, one really cool brand shows up and that will reignite a street. But we haven't even taken into consideration that all these tenants, you don't know who's paying rent, who's not, but the tenants who aren't paying are allowed to sit in a space right now. And we all get it. They're trying to squeeze out their, their last sales that they can squeeze out. But there's a point where sophisticated landlords that are angry are going to kick them all out. Yeah, so in a sense, what you guys are all saying is that we're on bot time. A lot of the tenants that are not healthy or financially sound are on bot time. They're able to sit there uh, and it can't go on forever. Is there a timeline at this point? Is there been a timeline? of? I think uh, Jay said March 31st with Governor Newsom, but I think it might be pushed back. But what Jay's saying on one of my clients at the subtenant, that's raising capital for their tech company. And they have uh, probably four, maybe four to $8 million in the bank and they're not paying rent. And they're under the basis. So as Jay is saying, we're very frustrated, don't know what to do. They don't come to the table and we can't evict them. And it's, it's, gone, it's very, very frustrating and it's wrong. We know they have the money. We know they have the money and they're just hiding under uh, the skirts of this whole situation. And it's terrible. The time has come and it should be repealed, but 
March is a long way away. It's obviously five months, but it's a problem. And it, go, it goes both ways. Some of the tenants are truly hurting, but others aren't. And regardless of the truth or not, there is just going to be a day, and it's COVID-related. Yeah. I mean, if COVID goes for another year, I mean, it's going to keep getting pushed. But there will be a day in 21 where that will be over and you are, will be allowed to evict, and you're going to start seeing evictions everywhere. So, Chris, back to you. You know, great opportunities come uh, at challenging times, as we know. And you and Jim and everyone on this call have, have seen a lot of markets and have seen a lot of different uh, market crashes and market opportunities. Uh, I got to think, uh, being an optimist and being in this game, that there's going to be some opportunities at some point. Uh, what is your take on that? And, uh, you know, obviously no one can read the future and this could get pushed out another year or two. But, you, you being a, a, an office operator and owner, do you feel like at some point soon you're going to be stepping on the gas looking to increase your footprint and try to take advantage of whatever opportunities may come? I think you're on mute. Yeah, I am. Sorry. There's always a, there's always a price, a price per pound where you just start to feel like, hey, if I could get it at 100 bucks a foot or – you can start to talk yourself into it, but here, here's where I really have um, some issues about whether you can do this. If you can buy it all cash, fine. But if you're going to come in with a lender and you've got to prove up what lease rates are, I can't tell you what a lease rate is in, in the city of Los Angeles right now. I really can't. And, um, um, and so until we start seeing some markers around lease rates and some sort of, um, w this is where the bottom is. I think it's going to be hard. I mean, I do remember very distinctly around 2010 when John Long bought something down in Orange County and Main Street and everybody said, oh, my God, you're you know, trying to catch a fallen knife. It's just ridiculous. But when you look back at it, uh, he bought Main Plaza. I think it was Main Plaza in, in, in Irvine um, at, a, at a price per bound that was so attractive. He ended up making good money on it. So that's coming at some point. And the other thing is, you know, while we do own most of our portfolio in Southern California, we also own in Denver. We're very active looking in Texas and in Las Vegas. There, people are, COVID is really bad in those places, but people are, are going into the office a little different than here. So, I, I, I mean, I think, I think we'll have some great buying opportunities. I was on a panel with Ethan Penner recently, and Ethan was saying he thinks there'll be better buying opportunities uh, this time around than in the GFC. He equated it a lot to uh, where we were in the early 90s in terms of buying opportunities. So, but uh, can't evict anybody. Nobody's signing a lease. You know, every, people are legitimately scared. I, I, I think people are just going to do nothing as long as they, as long as they can. So, yeah. So Jim, I, I'm negative on, on, on office in the short term, not in the yeah. long term. I think there's going to be a lot of pushback and there's going to be a lot of young people who say, I don't want to spend the rest of my life. Uh, working from Zoom. I want to go be in the room where things are happening. But in the short term, I, I just think it's tough. Jim, you, you may have touched on this, but have you seen office rates, prime office, west side rates drop? Or is it just not enough deals happening to really put your finger on it? Uh, what are you seeing so right now? Uh, obviously, uh, Disney just gave notice that they're vacating 250,000 square feet in Fox Plaza. Uh, the rent went wow. from 750 to 550 overnight. Uh, you got CAA that's not going to be renewing supposedly 
on the 330,000 square feet that expires July of 22. Uh, that's an $8 building, and we'll see how the, all that works out. Uh, there's a lot of new construction being built on the west side. Lumens building five would be doing them. Silverberg complex. It's a 550,000 per building. Been there three or four times. It's a beautiful complex, a lot of space, but that's coming on. You had Heinz building on the Thomas Cadillac space, a 200,000 square foot multi-use uh, development, retail, uh, residential, and obviously office. That is coming also in 22. You got uh, Drew Planting bought the Macy's site next to Google. That's 200,000 square feet plus or minus. So you got Fox giving up their uh, space in Playa Vista. It's over 400,000 square feet. The subleasing market every day is coming on with more and more tenants coming on. So um, I'm very involved in New York City. Uh, it's going to be the bloodbath. A bloodbath, what happens in New York City, kind of flows here west here. So it could be 22 is going to be a fascinating time to see if the landlords that are developing these buildings and having huge vacant space, are they going to hold to their rental rates? And the odds are they can't if they have deals coming in, as Chris said, credit tenants that's going to pay the rent, whether COVID or not COVID, uh, they're going to have to make an adjustment. It's going to have to be a rethinking. Of everything's going up 4% these past six, seven years. It's been amazing. Uh, the rents have uh, creeped up. I mean, Century City now is a $5 number minimum. And uh, there were about 28 floors available at Century City, you know, not 36 months ago. Now there may be, without the CAA stuff in Disney, maybe six or seven. So it's going to be a big change, and I can't wait. <laughs> you can't wait to take advantage to get some good wait. tenant to get some good tenant deals. So now, 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 now Jim, we all, Jim, we all know you make more money when the rent's higher. So let's keep, keep working with us here, man. <laughs> okay, I'll be happy to, Chris. So Andrew and Janet, also like you to jump in on what you what your big deep pocket institutional clients and family offices are thinking about right now and are they on the sidelines with powder ready to go it seems like everyone's just been waiting and waiting and waiting and now it seems like it's going to be more of a waiting game because of what's happening with COVID yeah there's not as much happening as you would think there there's a lot of money out there but they can't spend it on stupid purchases and there's not a, there's not a lot of not not a lot to sell right now so you've got Jay, money what's going on Rodeo Drive, Jay? What's happening in Rodeo? You know, there could, that's your territory. There could be what's something very interesting happening there next week. Um, yeah, as I'm involved with something that'll be interesting. What's that? I'm saying, as far as the rents coming down or a new deal taking uh, place. Well, in terms uh, of actually your business, but yeah. So in terms of rent, there isn't enough happening to change rent one way or the other. What's the deal with Rodeo Drive is you have tenants who aren't leaving unless it's one or two of the old brands that are leaving actually right now that don't belong. But the highest end luxury brands in the world are there. A couple of them are doing massive renovations. Chanel is doing one. Um, another brand will be doing one soon that I represent. Um, and the Cheval Blanc Hotel is under construction. And well, not yet. 
hopefully will be soon. But uh, there could be a lot of really positive activity in the next three years on Rodeo Drive to where four years from now, which sounds like a long time away, but in four years, Cheval Blanc could be open with 150 feet of frontage. Chanel in two years will be open with 100 feet of frontage and other things are happening. The Lux Hotel is for sale. Um, so Rodeo Drive in the end, I think will be incredibly strong and it will be as good as it's ever been. Imagine LVMH, Chanel, Hermes, and maybe one or two others, Cartier bought their building, all buying their buildings. What does that mean? It means they're not going anywhere. And the fact that they're renovating, what does that mean? That they, that they want to be current and big and offer flagship uh, product for all their customers worldwide and local. It, it's an investment. So Rodeo Drive, which is a very important street for LA because it it's one of the few in the world and, and a lot of people come right to it off the airplane and it's a big deal both for shopping and for tourists. Long-term, I think it's going to be better than it's ever, ever been. Short-term, nothing's changing because there isn't really, what are they going to do? Negotiate a month or two free rent or deferral? Yes, but it's gone. I mean, they're, 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 they're making money, they're paying rent and prices are not changing on our day of drive. They're not going down. There's just not a lot for lease. So nothing's changing. Yeah. And, and that hotel is being, uh, that hotel is your Brooks Brothers deal. That's that corner. Yes. I actually, I sold that building. I had the listing on it and I also represented LVMH uh, and we put some deals together, but I was the agent on the sale and right. uh, it ended up becoming right for them to build the hotel with. They, prior to that, were just buying buildings like a lot of other brands buying buildings. Yeah, guys, anything you want to add? I want to be sensitive of your time. I know it's almost impossible to get all four of you together for this much time. So I obviously really appreciate taking the time and being candid and giving us some real straightforward information from the trenches. But anything, uh, Andrew, anything you want to add or Chris or Jim, now is the time. And otherwise, uh, we'll wrap it up soon. That was very good. Thank you, Danny. Go ahead, Andrew. Sure. Uh, that was in very interesting on uh, Beverly Hills real estate, Jay. Um, uh, I, I think that for the short term, people feel like, oh, we got, we can work remotely. It, it's, we're okay. You can't grow a business though, through this, through Zoom. You have to be in person. You know, you have to have those informal water cooler talks. How do you, how can you even onboard somebody successfully? I mean, we all run businesses here and we're also in the real estate business. And I think it's actually a testament that to technology that we could get by for six months, nine months, 12 months. But I think the long run, and that's why I'm seeing so much activity really across the asset classes, is that this is just a, a short term fix. And even if COVID stays longer than people expect, um, the ability to grow within a company the ability to be successful as a company will always require face-to-face, in-person communication, both within your company and with the counterparties uh, and your service providers. And, and Jim, I know you made a living and a career walking 
door to door in office buildings. And if those, um, you know, security monitors, the electronic security monitors didn't stop you, I know COVID's not going to stop you. And it's just the way human beings. Well, you know, Andrew, reality is it is stopping me. Uh, One is that the security and the the locked uh, the locked off elevators has been a major impact to me personally. And compounded by COVID-19, a lot of companies did not want to have outside visitors coming in. And from my point of view, for the first time since I've been doing this since 1969, I'm not sure I want to go in and start knocking on doors. So me personally, being a foot canvas of my entire career, uh, I'm making a definite adjustments, and it's a major issue for me because that's how I virtually made all my deals one way or another is knocking on doors here and hustling. So now I'm using, I'm trying to get proficient on um, on LinkedIn and those issues, making telephone calls. So right now, though, from a broker's point of view, my world, I'm not sure about today's world, is that reaching people today is extremely difficult because no one's there and no one really wants to discuss office space when they're not really in their office to discuss. So for me, personally, Jim Travers, it's a definite uh, major game changer and you just have to make the adjustments. But for me, it's a major adjustment. I went to see show space yesterday. I'm in the building. I've been trying to reach his law firm uh, for, for years. I've been calling, doing, stopping by. I stopped by. Of course, the elevator was locked off. So it's a different world being a broker today. I think much more uh, relationships is going to be the way that I can able to get new business because otherwise the old days of calling up and walking in and pounding is over from a personal perspective. It's quite shocking to the system. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Danny. Yeah, I was going to just offer, you know, I, I'm negative um, in the sense that we were riding very high for 10 years and 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 just a, a rising uh, market helped a lot of us. Um, but here's where I'm positive. We, we have investors in China and for the most part, China's back to business as usual. People are not wearing masks. People are traveling. People are going into the office every day. Um, you look at other cities in, in the United States, that's coming back um, to varying degrees. I mean, we clearly have some serious problems with where the COVID numbers are. But I do foresee a day um, when, when that fear is taken out, that people start to look at how you run and how you grow a business. And I just believe in human beings. I believe that human beings want to have interaction. People, you know, want to be, you know, part of a team. And I think that office will have a place, but we, you got, you know, it's the old edge. You just can't have too much leverage and you got to be able to get through um, this period. And, you know, for our part, we're pivoting a bit, uh, not totally, but, you know, we've brought in someone to run an industrial platform. We've got a multifamily platform. We are already in the data business. So we're just going to try to diversify more, uh, but I don't think there's, I have no doubt that office will be uh, extremely important. And if you really look at what the tech companies are doing, as opposed to what they're saying, they're gobbling up space in New York. They're expanding in the Silicon Valley. So sure. the, the long term, you know, this whole you can work from home forever stuff, I think is just a way to get talent. Because every time you see what Jack Dorsey says or Zuckerberg say, there's always all these ca- caveats like, if your job allows you to work from home, you can. And then the last thing I'd say is you're going to have a whole generation of Gen Z 
who are just pissed at the world that they were told they had to, you know, couldn't go to high school, missed their prom, couldn't couldn't do their college graduation. And I think they're going to they're going to really push for interaction, whether it's office or whether it's at movie theaters and all that. So we got to get through this pandemic. Uh, but I think you'll see a lot of things that, that there'll be changes. I think work hours are going to radically change. Uh, and I think dress codes are out the window now. I think some of those things people don't want to go back to, but uh, the office will be a place people come back to eventually. Yeah, good points. We're humans. We need to connect. We need to interact. We need to work. We need to go to dinner and lunch, retail. Jay, talk to us with your final words on, you know, the importance of retail and interacting and social lives and all that and where you see this going in the next five or ten years. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it's really important that streets are activated with, with all that can happen now online and uh, even malls, which are retail included, that's great for what it is, but communities are made up of kind of small shops and streets and, and outside the malls. And it's important that when you walk or drive by, you see activation. If you look at many of the streets in LA that became popular, that were nothing, there was one restaurant like Alfred Coffee on Melrose Place. And then Melrose Place became something after that, you know, became really popular. And Earth Cafe on Melrose was the only, when that happened, stores wanted to go near it. It wasn't the retail store that got it happening. It was Earth Cafe and, you know, Craig's Restaurant and Verve and other action down by Maxfield um, on Melrose. I'm just using three street examples. But right. if you can activate streets and mix in retail with coffee, fitness and food and that kind of thing, it's really important in the future because no one cares anymore. You know, they don't want to walk on a just retail. They can go online. So you need to create something interesting in the next 10 years. Are, it's incredibly crucial that we continue to have um, some fun things to do that pe- people want to get out and see each other. That's life. So we need to keep it going. I agree. More of a curated lifestyle experience. So any last words, Jim, or anyone else? I appreciate you guys spending this much time with us. You guys it couldn't have four better panelists to break down what's going on in the world. And I, I know incredibly valuable your time is. I, I really appreciate the, the insights and thoughts. But if anyone has any last words, Now's your time. Otherwise, I'm going to say uh, good night, and uh, let's see if we, by the next time we talk, we have a president. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. We'll, we'll soon see. All right, thank thanks, guys. Thanks, bye, everybody. Guys. Bye, we'll Andy. talk bye. to you guys soon. Bye, Jay. Thank you, Chris. Bye, Jay. Bye, bye.